Father Brian, and welcome to a Wicked Awesome Podcast. This is Matt speaking, and today I have the delight to interview Josh McAdams, who is the writer of This Won't Hurt a Bit, uh, uh, real life, what it's uh, really like to work in the healthcare industry. I think I got the subtitle of that wrong. How are you doing, Josh? I'm good. I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. So that's what it is. This won't hurt a bit. And what's the rest of it? It's uh, what, what it's really like to work in healthcare. Thank you. Thank you very much. I knew I was close. And yeah. I actually, <laughs> I uh, did read the book, uh, enjoyed it uh, a lot. And that's why I contacted you. Uh, and I did take notes, which I left somewhere here. And I, I knew I should have written that sub that subtitle down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I it's an interesting thing. Uh, in the pandemic, I subscribed to Kindle Unlimited and I just started reading uh, a lot of memoirs. And what I discovered is a lot of writers out there there's a lot of writers out there self-publishing and you are one of them that I came across and also the access that there is to someone like you uh, at the end of the book there's your email address I'm like you know what I'm gonna contact this guy and see if he's uh, interested in being interviewed on my podcast it's worked uh, three or four times before so why not? <laughs> so here yeah. we are. Well, thank yeah. you very much. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to start uh, basically the best way to start in situations like this. Uh, tell me about kind of like a job interview, but not really a job interview because we're relaxed here. Uh, tell us about yourself a little bit and uh, why uh, you got into the field that uh, uh, this book is about. I, are you still a nurse? Are you still in nursing? I am. You are okay. So, I am uh, so as a as a kid, I don't really have a solid connection. I felt like healthcare was something I wanted to be involved with. Um, my grandma told me several times as a kid, "You should be a doctor. You should be a doctor." I didn't really make the connection. Um, as far I didn't really know what that all meant or what that entailed. So uh, went through high school, went to college at a, uh, a small college in Northwest Ohio. Um, from, I'm from a small town in Northwest Ohio. I graduated, I think with 83 kids in my class. So, uh, small town, Mm -hmm. um, and got to college and applied to be a pharmacist. That was my original plan was to be a pharmacist. I went to a school that pharmacy was a big thing there. It just seemed like a good fit. You know, I got it into my head, man, I'll be 24 years old and people will be calling me doctor and I'll make a lot of money doing it. And it sounds like a really stable thing. I can, you know, have a lot of flexibility, you know, I wasn't in love with, you know, the the things that you necessarily do as a pharmacist, counting pills and a lot of that kind of stuff. So um, I, I started school for that. I went to school for a year and a half. It's a six year program. And after a year and a half of college, you have to apply uh, to go on to the rest of the program. 
So I had really good grades. The, the cutoff the year before was like a GPA of like 3.1. Mm-hmm. And I had like a 3.4, I think. So I felt pretty confident. I uh, turned in my application. I got my application the day before I left for spring break um, down in Florida. And I was cocky, man. I, I brought it home. I opened that envelope in front of my roommates and I got rejected. Oh! <laughs> oh. Rejected. They didn't even waitlist me. They straight out rejected me. So. Oh, those jerks. <laughs> Please tell me that you got some retribution like later on in life. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm much happier. I, have, I still have friends who are pharmacists and they're great people. And I think they're very happy the way they ended up. Um, but I am ridiculously happy uh, with the path that my career has taken. Um, so, you know, it, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, you probably couldn't have told me that. Um, I drank a lot of bush lights on that spring break trying to drown my sorrows. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it all worked out for the best. So, there you well. and, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. after that, I decided, well, I, I, di- I just kind of wanted to get started with something. I didn't want to wait and then apply and then spend another four years in college after that. I mean, by then I'd be 25 when I got out. And who wants to who wants to do that? You know, no. So, <laughs> for some reason, my fallback plan was nursing. So I switched to nursing and uh, ended up getting a, a nursing degree instead. I see. And how much longer did it take you to get, uh, how much longer did you have to go to school to get your uh, nursing certificate? I finished my bachelor's in five years total. So I was a a super senior. I took the victory lap is what they say. So gotcha. um, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I went that route myself. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was a terrible student in high school. Didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that college would be fun because I had two older sisters that were in college and I used to love to visit them and party. So I figured mm-hmm. I could do that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, so I, anyway, long story short, I was on the five year plan too, but not because I got, uh, not because I was a good student and got rejected from a reputable program and then took a logical path. Uh, that wasn't my story. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, but we're here to talk about you. We're here to talk about you. Yeah. Uh, so as I'm reading this book, um, I'm in education. I've been in education for oh, going on 22 years now, I believe. Okay. Uh, teacher now out of the public school system and a director of a small therapeutic private school, which I love, but you tell stories about people climbing the ladder and as uh, doctors, especially, and as they get higher and higher up, there tends to be this loss of focus of what their purpose truly, truly is. And that they haven't, I get, they haven't really been in the field. They can't really relate to certainly uh, colleagues, coworkers, and uh, whatever else, but yet they tend to get all the glory when something goes right. Am I making the, that interpretation right? Yeah, I mean, how many how many TV dramas out there are about nurses? It's all that's not who the the good looking actors and actresses on ER and ER has been gone forever on Grey's Anatomy and on all the other shows out there. They you know nurses are kind of in the background, so. Sure. Um, that's something I've always kind of, it, it doesn't make me upset or anything, but I felt like there was an underappreciation. And I think one of the lines that I use in 
in the book is that nurses are the infantry of healthcare. Absolutely. And when something undesirable needs done, the phrase that gets uttered is call the nurse. So yeah. that, uh, you know, they are the people that grease the wheels and, and I am unbelievably blessed. I have a job now where I don't do a lot of the uh, manual labor and the down and dirty kind of stuff that a lot of the, the best nurses out there do. Um, so I, I cut my teeth with that stuff. I had a great appreciation for it. Um, and I went back to graduate school and now I uh, work in anesthesia. So I have a, a, a very, very nice job. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, there there is sort of a, and I think that's something that the pandemic, and, and you're in education, I'm sure you feel this too, there's sort of a, a refreshed appreciation for what a lot of people in certain fields do. You know, you saw the things in New York City that the shift change, um, people would get out on their balconies and clap at seven o'clock because that was usually when the healthcare shift change was. And um, I know I have little kids and they spent a lot of the last year at home. So I have a tremendous appreciation <laughs> for people like you that work in education that, uh, you know, it's, it, it, we've all had a lot of experiences over the last year and a half or so that has sort of given us all a, a, a different picture of how we should appreciate uh, the people that do a lot of that work. Yeah. And closer to home for me, we hired a nurse during the pandemic and her previous job was at a nursing home that as the uh, head nurse and this nursing home got hit hard. I mean, hard mm -hmm. and just many deaths. And she was there for, she was just there for all of it. Just, and just ridiculous amounts of hours. And she ended up quitting uh, just because the emotional toll was just so great. And she took mm -hmm. three months off uh, before she found uh, Well, she even had this, uh, she needed the time off just to decide whether or not she wanted to switch careers. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine some of the stories you tell in the book uh, of some of the, the emotional toll as you get to know patients, families, uh, one story in particular uh, I remember, which I won't, I won't, I'm not going to tell because I'm not, no spoiler alert, you're going to have to read the book. But uh, it's just like, wow, I wonder what I would do in that situation. I, I feel like I would just fall apart. And you mentioned how you reacted to it emotionally. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. And I just admire your, your strength and, that situation, but in other situations that you mentioned, because I know I couldn't do it. I just, mm -hmm. I know that about myself. I know I cannot work uh, in any of these jobs uh, just because the emotional toll would just, I wouldn't become numb to it. I mean, I, I believe that you almost have to become numb to it after a while. Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe that's, maybe that's a bad kind of description but you talk about that a little bit as well about how you how you kind of have to remain flat in all of those situations emotionally yeah there is kind of a fine line like you don't want to be too involved with your patient to where you take it personally if they don't do well um because the patient the next day is going to be a different patient and they're going to need your best effort so um but at the same time uh it it's easy for some people to 
not necessarily bring their A game if if they kind of look at people at the patients as just uh, a not a vehicle, but um, you know this is what I'm doing today, and it, it's it's hard to uh, you know you want to make sure you treat people as the as a person. You're treating there's a famous quote. It says a good doctor treats the disease. A great doctor treats the patient with the disease. And I think it's important to sort of walk that line. Um, you want to be emotionally invested in your patients, but you also have to make sure that you're not too emotionally invested because, you know, emotional thinking when you have to make decisions, you know, high, high stakes decisions in you know, a rapid manner sometimes uh, you want to think clearly. So there, there is that fine line that you kind of have to walk. And, and the, the best nurses are the ones out there who can, walk that line and be compassionate and show that they're caring, but still have a clear enough head to, to make the right decisions and do what they need to do to, to make sure that everything done is in the best interest of the patient. Super, super. That's a, and that's a really good explanation. Uh, so the book starts out uh, with you getting a job in an emergency room and it's not exciting enough for you. So you decide to shift over into the intensive care unit. Is that accurate? exactly? Yeah. yeah. So I, I finished college. I went to, I went to a small town ER, uh, cause I thought it would be exciting. I thought it'd be like the show. And, you know, right before that I had applied to a big city ER internship and got rejected for that. So I'm, I'm familiar with rejection at this point. Oh, um, man. So, <laughs> yeah. so I did, uh, I did small town ER for a little bit and it was not what I hoped it would be. Um, and I think my, my goals at that time were, I, I thought I wanted something exciting and it wasn't exciting. It was important work and, and the patients and the people that I worked with in general were really great. Um, but it just wasn't my cup of tea at that, at that point in my life. So yeah, I moved to the big city. I worked in a big ICU, um, spent some time in the operating room and, uh, really got to, um, experience the, uh, the high stakes kind of, uh, uh, patience and everything that I, I thought I wanted. And to be honest, I thought I would like trauma stuff. I don't care for trauma. <laughs> you don't care for trauma. It, yeah, I don't. It's, it's a lot of, uh, paperwork and, uh, protocols and it's, it's very stressful. And it's, those are trauma cases are a lot of the times what you take home with you and what you think about at home. Um, because it's often people who, you know, go through something that's unexpected. Um, you know, when, when older people are, are sick and when they pass away, it's, it's not that it's a good thing, but no one's surprised by that. And you can kind of emotionally prepare for it. Um, it's totally different when you're dealing with, uh, you know, car accidents and, and things like that, where it's totally unexpected. And, you know, people often don't get the chance to say goodbye. So, um, I didn't deal with a lot of that, but enough to know that I didn't really care for that part of it. Sure, sure. A uh, friend of mine from high school, he ended up marrying a woman who was now a pediatric oncologist. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, that's Oof. yeah. And she is the most pleasant, just always with a smile on her face. It's just like, wow. I mean, hats yeah. off to you. Like. Talk about high highs and low lows. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so 
there's a woman that you mentioned, Shannon, in the book, and she seems to be a very, very powerful figure, especially in the ICU. And I like your portray your portrayal of her. And it made me believe that in every workplace, especially a place of high stress, you need somebody like a Shannon. Uh, Shannon, to me, is someone who is funny when she needs to be, uh, serious when she needs to be, but always that go-to leader type in all situations. Mm-hmm. Is, um, uh, is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I still, I still bump into her once in a while. Um, and she still works in the ICU. She is the go-to person for a lot of things. Um, her, her sense of humor, I think is really accurately portrayed in the book. Um, it, she made fun of me a ton and it was always in a way that, uh, uh, was lighthearted, but snarky. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people, especially in ICU kind of setting, you do develop a, a darkish sense of humor. And it's something that you need to, to be able to help you, you know, cope with the things that you go through. Um, but on, on top of that, you know, she, she nurtured me. She helped me through things. Um, there are a lot of complex scenarios and situations that she could do. Uh, you know, standing on her, standing on her head, she had, had seen a ton of everything and still had that passion to, you know, she volunteered to preset me to teach me. It wasn't something she was required to do because she knew that she needed to help the next generation nurses grow. Um, and yeah, I feel like as far as, um, uh, helping me and helping other people along the way and being a mentor, uh, you know, there's no official mentorship title that she played it wasn't like we sat down and she said i'm gonna be your mentor and no it's just we we developed a great relationship um some people didn't know how to take her but that's their problem because i think uh you know she's tremendously valuable and i think you're right every workplace has somebody like that who who knows how to kind of um rally the troops and keep morale high and bring you know the people that are a little scared or a little nervous that don't really know what they're doing yet uh, to bring them forward and help them grow. And that's what she really did uh, for me was to help me grow. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And also while reading your book, uh, even though it's a different profession than mine, a couple days while I was reading your book, I had really crappy days at work and your book helped me because it reminded me that no matter what I do for work, I'm going to have headaches. Uh, I'm going to work with people that I don't care for. I'm going to work with people that I like. I'm going to deal with a situation that is stressful that I wish I didn't run into. But the fact of the matter is, it's just you're going to run into it even if you don't have a job. It's just situations happen. But it just helped me just realize that we all have something to go through on any given day. And Mm -hmm. also as we grow as people, we grow professionally and we switch jobs like uh, you have and uh, like I have over the years. 
so uh, I do want to uh, just thank you for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for thank you. Uh, yeah yeah it's it's a really I mean if uh, for those of you listening in the chat room it's really it is helpful in that respect. Not only does it provide some uh, you know background on what it really truly is like to work in an emergency room and a ICU and with trauma, but also just uh, it kind of just helps provide a little bit of uh, clarity on maybe what you're going through yourself. So uh, uh, just throw absolutely. That out there. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. with uh, so you did you are you did self publish this book. Is that correct? Yeah. So I have a, a, a friend from college. So when I was in nursing school, I actually wrote a little bit. I wrote for our uh, college new- newspaper. I did some, it was mostly satire. I tried to be funny. Um, and that's something in healthcare, you don't really get a lot of opportunity to sort of scratch your creative itches. Um, and that was kind of my way to do that. Um, and I'll, I'll mention her. She's a published author. Her name's Erin Wassinger. Um, and she wrote a book called The Year of Small Things. And she's a tremendous friend, um, very helpful. But she guided me through uh, how to publish and how to go about getting my book out. She actually dumped me in the ninth grade, but I'm over it. It's okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not bitter about it or anything. I'm totally over it. It's fine. But yes, so yes, yes. The, the kind of the path that most authors take, at least traditionally, is they write their book, they find an agent to help shop their book to big publishing companies. Um, And that has all kind of changed a lot, especially with uh, uh, the rise of Amazon. So the publishing companies all want somebody who already has a platform and an audience, and then they just slap the book, you know, with their publishing label on it, edit it a little bit, and then spit it out to the masses. Well, I didn't have connections in any of that. I had never written a book before. Um, so I, I got a lot of help from Aaron as well as a couple other people, um, for how to go about, you know, publishing it. How do you put your draft together? How do you make it so your PDF file is appropriate? How do you hire an editor? I, you know, I hired an editor because I want to make sure I didn't have a bunch of typos or, or gram- grammatical errors or anything like that. So, uh, you know, how do you hire a cover designer? So I went around, uh, uh, figured out how to do all that. So it was a, a definitely a, a skill set that I didn't have before and, and a really steep learning curve um, to get yeah. going with that. So this would have taken some of your own money for the editor and the cover person, I'm guessing? Yeah, it took me a good year and a half to get out of the red on this. <laughs> I see, I see. But you got out of the red. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, now, do you have you had, of course... When when did you uh, release this book? Uh, was it uh, May of twenty nineteen? Okay, so pre COVID, pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have the opportunity to uh, promote yourself at bookstores or? So I, I self published on Amazon as well as a couple other um, small smaller platforms that do just books. Um, Amazon has a great platform where you can do print on demand. So you can buy a printed copy without having to buy, if you go through a publisher, you have to buy a thousand copies or whatever. You can do print on demand through Amazon. So, and anybody can publish on Amazon. Uh, Mm -hmm. You don't have to be approved or anything like that. Um, And yeah, that whole process was, was super helpful. And that was kind of the, 
the route that I took. And as far as like marketing, I, that's another thing. I had no idea what I'm doing. I still really don't with marketing, but um, I would market my bo- my book in different like Facebook groups related to healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I get a couple clicks here and there and a couple extra sales. I'll tell you the third day that I uh, had my book released, I checked my um, sales and I had, I sold, I think like 12 copies in one day up from like four the day before. Woo-hoo. And I was all, ex- I, mean, yeah, I was like, Hey, this is taking off. I'm going to, I'm going to type up my resignation letter for work. Cause I'll probably turn it in next week. Cause I'm going to be rich. Cause this is great. <laughs> and I called my mom. I was all excited. And she says, well, I bought 10 copies myself today to give away to my friends. So, <laughs> so oh, okay. And then oh. the next day the sales dipped and that was, I, I threw away that resignation letter. We weren't ready for that yet. So, but marketing, Amazon uh, gives you the ability to do lock screen ads. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something I've done for people who have Kindles. They can, you know, when their screen unlocks, they see an ad for my book. Um, and also the the like you mentioned, Kindle Unlimited uh, through the loan library. That's a really good asset to uh, to be able to market your book to a lot of people who who go that route. Oh yeah. And it's great because I've read so many books by people that have self-published and by and large, they're very, very good. And compared to some that do have publishers and make the New York times best seller list. I mean, to me, some are just as good. You can tell that the person put the time and the effort to ensure that it was uh, thorough, edited properly, professional looking, and yeah, I mean, hats off to you. And it's great. That's one great thing about Amazon that it has allowed writers to get their works out there. I will hand that to Not that I think that Amazon is great uh, all the way around, but there's this is one very good aspect of uh, Amazon. Absolutely. Uh, that's my opinion, of course. But. Yeah. And so I, I started writing things. I, I would... I read this book, I believe it was in 2014. It was called uh, Heads and Beds. It was about a guy who is a high-end hotel clerk in New York City. And he shared a lot of his experiences, kind of funny stories, and sort of more, you know, behind the rope, inside baseball speak about how things really work with uh, uh, hotels. And uh, I read that and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of similarities between how this works and how things work in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I started, uh, you know, writing down stories of things that had happened in my free time. And so then I had this collection of stories. And I'm like, well, what do I do with this? And uh, I kind of put it all together and tried to make, you know, a, a general story arc. Um, and it took me about four or five years, you know. And at this time, I, I'm working full time. I'm married with little kids. Uh, you know, I'm getting up for an hour before work to write a couple of days a week to try and crank this out. I actually quit writing for about six months. I gave up on it. And then I just felt that draw to go back and finish what I started. Um, and yeah, overall it was, it was quite a slog. It's kind of, they say running is 98% of running is unglorious. It's the, you know, crossing the finish line of a marathon is not how most of it is. And it's kind of the same thing with writing. There's a lot of early mornings and late nights and, uh, you know, work put into it to try and finish what you started. And that, uh, uh, it, it took a long time. It was a lot of work going into it. So I appreciate your, your, uh, compliments on all that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And 
you're helping me out too as I'm trying to promote this podcast. Anytime I can interview uh, someone like yourself, it certainly helps me. And, you know, just one person at a time, you know, same, the, the same thing with people who are going to buy your book, just one person at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, what's your uh, work schedule like uh, now? Are you on nights? Are you three days a week, four days a week? Uh, so I'm actually a nurse anesthetist now. Mm-hmm. So I went back to uh, graduate school for a couple years and got certified to provide anesthesia. So I work in the operating room, um, I also work in labor and delivery and do labor epidurals and uh, C-sections and things like that. So um, it's a very rewarding career. I'm usually, I usually, I work mostly Monday through Friday with some evening and weekend call shifts. Um, I'm actually on call right now, but oh, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I have a very uh, uh, favorable schedule and I really like the operating room environment. You know, you're part of a big team. Um, you deal with one patient at a time uh, and you you can see sort of the fruits of your labor. Um, you see, you know, every procedure has a beginning and an end. You know how it ends. And that was that was something that uh, working in other areas of healthcare, you know, you don't really know how the story ends or if people really did get better and want to accomplish their goals that they set forth to, you know, when they got out of the hospital. So sure. um, it's it's been really rewarding. I get to take part in procedures and uh, work with a great crew. You know, I made a, a big investment time and money wise to go back to school and it's, it's definitely paid off. You know, I'm able to support my family and my three kids. Um, so yeah, I'm very blessed that, uh, uh, I get to do that now. So during the pandemic, I actually, they, they shut down elective procedures in my state mm-hmm. and I went back to the ICU actually and did a couple shifts to help out, uh, you know, in places where they were, sort of not overrun, but full of uh, COVID patients. So, And what was that like? That was quite an experience. I, I did not, I, I felt comfortable with some things, but not as comfortable with other things. And I tried to be um, more of a resource to the people who were there, who had been there every day and doing it every day. Cause I hadn't done ICU nursing for seven years or 10, 10 or 11 years. Oh, wow. Um, so it was, it was that long. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the hospital, one of the hospitals I work at said, Hey, we need extra help in the ICU. You guys aren't doing anything because we shut down electric procedures. How about you come and help out in the ICU? And we, we did that. And it was, uh, it was very rewarding. I got to see, um, you know, a nibble of what the people on the COVID front lines have dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience was very easy compared to what a lot of places have where you're dealing with super sick and dying patients every shift and working six days a week because they can't find enough help for you. And, you know, worrying about bringing COVID back to your family. You know, that was a thing that, you know, this was last April that I did this. I would come home from work and my wife would come into the garage. I'd take off my scrubs in the garage and walk straight to the shower in a towel. Mm -hmm. Um, because we just didn't know exactly how transmissible everything was early on. Right. Um, right. So it was a nerve wracking time. Um, but luckily for me, at least the, they started up elective procedures again. And uh, for the most part where I'm at, the COVID epidemic is really uh, drawn down. 
Oh man. Yeah. And thank God. And, uh, mm-hmm. I can imagine how grateful you do feel for coming out of that, uh, relatively unscathed. I mean, whew, then that must've been hard. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, what would be really cool. It'd be cool for me. It'd be cool for our audience. If you actually did get called in right now for some procedure <laughs> and you brought your phone with you and you stayed live, like someone's getting an appendectomy and you know, you can hear them screaming till Josh comes in there and gives them some anesthesia. <laughs> You'd get a I, lot of fans that way, Josh. <laughs> I I may get in a little bit of trouble for that too. I think that's frowned upon, but <laughs> that's, that'd be a that'd be a HIPAA violation. I know what HIPAA means. Yoo-hoo. <laughs> yep, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, yeah. But we wouldn't tell anyone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we wouldn't do that to you. Okay, you have to. So, do you have a funny ER story? Because I I know a. Uh, I know a nurse uh, who lives in northern Maine. Like, I mean, I live in mid-coast Maine where we actually have a few people. But, I mean, northern Maine, there's nobody. There's like five people and uh, 500 moose. That's that's northern Maine for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she, but before I tell her story, do you have a funny ER story? Did somebody come in, like, in a very precarious situation into the in the ER while you were working? Uh, yeah, there's plenty of those. I don't know what your podcast is rated. Oh, it's Uh, rated. Uh, we're PG 13, but we lean to rated R. Okay. Uh, yeah, every, every ER nurse, I'll tell you, if you ever run into an ER nurse, those are the nurses that have the best stories. Mm -hmm. So my wife is a former ER nurse and she had plenty of experiences with that. Um, I, I kind of opened my book with a story about, uh, a young man who came in with a broken hand and we were, bored in the middle of the night and, you know, talking about placing bets on what his blood alcohol content was. And that was our, our way of sort of entertaining ourselves when something that wasn't as serious came in. Um, everybody has a story about somebody coming in with, uh, a I had a, a guy come in with a nail gun round through his finger and, um, there's, there's plenty of stories that, that other people have, um, uh, about ER. So, as far as I have a couple in my book that I don't want to burn all my good, I, I used all my good material for the book. So yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I don't want to give it all away, but my, uh, my wife has plenty of stories as well too. Um, but yeah, if you ever out there, anybody listening and you run into an ER nurse, those are, that's who you want to sit down with a drink and listen to stories from. Well, well, her story is this, and this this story is rated R. Um, so I hope I don't. I hope I hope you don't offend easily. I'm I'm not guessing at all. That, okay, and your book does have uh, some humor to it as well, and uh, a, a few uh, potty mouth words. So I mm-hmm. I figured you wouldn't get offended. Uh, all right. So this story is some guy came into the ER with a dildo shove so far it was a it was either a dildo or a vibrator i think it was a vibrator or maybe a vibrating dildo so far up his ass that he couldn't get it out uh so they and she swears the story is true and she seems to be a uh a trustworthy person but and how it got so far up there i she didn't know but and how they got it out i don't know uh, but, but that, anyway, that was her story. So yeah. Yeah. I have a, a colleague who has a story about working in the ER and one of his, he had a patient come in with a camp stove grill 
<laughs> with his penis stuck inside the camp stove grill. So he comes in walking in with no pants on and a camp stove grill attached to his front side. <laughs> How the hell does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to say that he would probably say he just tripped and fell into it, but I I, I think I, I'm not buying that just like you're probably not, Matt. So <laughs> <laughs> my friend, uh, my friend rounding third in the chat room says, uh, just typed in weenie roast. Yes. Weenie roast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But. Good. Um, so do you have uh, any intentions? I mean, you mentioned how hard it was to find time to write this book, how long it took. Uh, do you have, another one in the works or are you just going to sit on this one for a while? So I would like to, but I, unfortunately I, I used all my A and B material on that. And, you know, I've talked to a couple of other people and that have asked me if I was going to do another one. And if I, if I can get a hold of enough stories and have enough free time to put it together, I would. Um, and I especially think that, you know, having done one already, I can, the learning curve is flattened out for me and I think it'd be a lot easier uh, to sort of hammer that out. But, um, my kids are little, I have a lot of other stuff going on. I do love to write. Um, I just kind of need to wait for that, that itch and that inspiration to sort of peck at me to where I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to get up before I really need to. And I'm going to stay up late and try and crank out 500 words. So, um, maybe someday, but as of right now, I don't have anything in the pipeline. I see. I see. Yeah. And it seems like all the great writers, were, male writers anyway, were drunks anyway, right? And we, <laughs> we, we wouldn't want that to happen to you. I mean, you're doing uh, some much needed work as an uh, anesthesiologist. So, uh, so, or in, it's, it's frowned yeah. upon to uh, be inebriated at work. <laughs> yes. Yes. I just remember when my wife was giving, giving birth to our first child, uh, she would, you know how some women get, and I mean, I hopped on board. Oh, I'm gonna have natural childbirth, no drugs, blah 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 blah. You know, you know how that goes, right? Uh huh. <laughs> He's going, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, so, I've heard that story before. <laughs> oh yeah. So anyway, uh, he ends up having a dump in utero. So the first thing that happens is she starts leaking. I'm giving way too much information here. She starts, <laughs> she starts leaking, you know, dung. So they're like, oh, wow, well, we got to induce labor. So they give her the epidural, and all of a sudden that causes uh, quite a bit of pain because she's not progress and she's not progressing enough, blah, blah, blah. And she, it's really important for her to give birth vaginally and we're not at the point where anyone's mentioning a c-section but the pain gets so intense that finally she's just like you know drugs 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 and i just remember the anesthesiologist coming in and it was just like this guy had a just this halo this shine <laughs> over his head this big smile and you know so he's so he whatever you guys do you tap you tap the epidural somehow i mean how does that work i can't remember how that works so yeah the epidural space is between uh the dura which is the outer covering of the uh spinal canal where your spinal fluid is mm -hmm. and just outside of that we put a little tube a little catheter slide that up and it 
gives numbing medicine that numbs up those nerves in the area and it takes away the pain, but it still gives people the, the motor function so they can push when it's time to push. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. And I just remember he came in all of a sudden she's pain free and the baby just starts coming out and she can't feel it. It's just like, wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, before you know it, we, our first child is born. And I remember that same guy coming back in later with his little tray to kind of get his things. And he just makes a comment like, Oh, wow. It looks like you got quite a baby there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, so I never thought I would be a big fan of labor and delivery, but I actually have really turned into one. It's it's very rewarding. You know, you, you kind of get to play the hero, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. Make pe people are always excited to see you. Uh, when it works, it's great. I have a colleague who does a lot of labor and delivery, and he says, once a week, I'll get a mom that'll tell me she wants to name her baby after me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the line he gets all the time. So yeah, it's it's very rewarding to to see the relief. Yeah. You know, I usually come in and somebody's uh, screaming in pain, and then after I finish the procedure, I'll go do some paperwork and come back about twenty minutes later, and they're there texting someone or watching TV or chatting with their spouse, and it's uh, uh, to see that change in that brief period because of something that I got to you know do. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very rewarding. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you, were you nervous when you had to do your first, uh, pr procedure, uh, that you just described? I mean, Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, an epidural is, is all by feel. Um, there and, and you're only a couple millimeters off from if, if you go too far and go into the spinal canal, people can have a really bad headache and it's the worst headache of their lives in most cases. Um, and that happens one out of every 200 or so times. So yeah, it's a very, it's very scary that, and you know, people are writhing in pain. They're scared because you're putting a needle just outside their spinal cord. And, uh, it's, it is a nerve wracking thing and it does take a while to, to build your confidence in. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely nervous for, you know, every, every procedure that we do, I've been nervous before I did it. Um, I, yeah, I think I, it'd be abnormal not to be. But yeah, it uh, that that all goes away. They say anesthesia is hours of boredom with moments of terror. Oh, and that's a good description. That, uh, mm -hmm. I, I find that to be true. You know, the terror is few and far between. Mm -hmm. And if you're good, you you avoid the terror uh, before it happens. So, sure, sure, good. Uh, where can we find you, Josh? Uh, if you if per, this is your opportunity to. Uh, Promote yourself uh, as much as you please. Go right ahead. So my book is actually called uh, This Won't Hurt Me a Bit. So I used to work with this surgeon who before he would before he would numb someone up, uh, he would tell them this won't hurt me a bit. And just to kind of make a, you know, a, a joke in light of sticking a needle in someone. Um, so, yeah, I'm on uh, my book is primary. Well, it's totally just on uh, Amazon right now. Uh, under my my uh, author name, Josh McAdams. Uh, whenever I get called the wrong name, it's always Josh. So that's why I picked Josh. <laughs> I see. Yeah, and so McAdams is, is a family name on my mom's side. So gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, but I'm on I'm on Amazon. Um, I'm on um, all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I don't involve myself with a lot of that stuff, uh, but I feel like it's a necessary thing. 
And I have a, a Gmail, Josh McAdams author at gmail.com. Um, and that's something else that's really been rewarding about, you know, being able to publish on Amazon and put my uh, information out there is I've gotten, you know, 10, 12 emails from people who read the book and said, Hey, I really, I really like that. That was, you know, it reminded me of when my mom was in the hospital or it reminded me of when I was a new nurse. And, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of my readers have been healthcare people mm-hmm. and they feel like it's, it's relatable to them. And, uh, you know, we've all had pretty similar experiences, I think in a lot of ways. Um, it's just, it's good to know that other people have been through kind of what you've been through. Sure. Sure, sure. And what I will do for you is in the show notes, I'll make sure, one, I get your title correct. (laughs) I'll also share your information as well. I did like you on uh, your Facebook uh, page that you created for yourself, uh, but it looks like you don't check that very often. Not not very often. I uh, am on it occasionally, but... I, I, I'm not like, like we talked about with before, I am not into marketing. I don't know what I'm doing with that stuff. So I don't know how to, to use Facebook to, to market myself. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm there. If people want to get a hold of me, that's a way to get a hold of me. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have discovered Facebook isn't a great way to market yourself, uh, unless you want to pay quite a bit of money to do so. Uh, Twitter's a little bit better, uh, but there's a little bit of a learning curve with uh, Twitter. And I think in a lot of cases, like me, if you don't know what you're doing, it's just uh, keep doing it. And it's just really one person at a time. And hopefully that person will give a shout out for you. That's yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So great. Okay. I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I do wish the best of luck to you. And thank you so much for coming on this uh, little podcast of mine. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Absolutely. Take care now. Yep. You too. Thanks. All right. All right. So uh, thank you, those, for listening. I great interview i noticed with myself i was stuttering a little bit it took me about a half hour to get going josh is a very articulate very smart guy and i do recommend reading his book again i recommend reading his book uh this won't hurt me a bit what it's really like to work in healthcare, and you can find it on amazon and if you have a kindle or an e-reader download it if you have kindle unlimited uh, it's on the loan uh, library, so you can get it for free if you have Kindle Unlimited. And uh, that's how I discovered his book. And, geez, I see a lot of new faces in here. Let me... Uh, yes, great interview. Just ordered the paperback from Amazon. All right, woohoo! There we go. And thank you again, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. Hey, Father Brian, good to see you in here. As uh, Father Brian, such a good supporter of uh, Father Brian and Lady Rebecca. Uh, hats off to them because they will promote these writers on their show as well. They did it with R.J. Keller. They did it with uh, Gary Morganston, and uh, they'll uh, certainly do it with Josh uh, as well. So terrific! Hey, little Jay, it's Jill. Welcome, our friend from. Idaho is here. Excellent. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. And welcome, BHH1632. I wonder what if that's uh, interesting. Absolutely. What's the weather like out in Idaho? They, I think they grow potatoes out there like they do in Maine. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Rounding thirds in the house, I see. Jeez. A uh, really fun show the other night. I finally got through my uh, list. That was fun. My hundred favorite things. I hope everyone else is having a good day. Hot in the 90s. Uh, it's like we're in Maine, and it's uh, not hot in the 90s, but it's been very humid, like walking through soup almost. Yes, indeed. Uh Yes, indeed. We have been listening in on my side. He got a phone call. Father Brian's quite the popular guy. He gets a lot of phone calls. Uh, absolutely. It's a dry heat out there. Yeah, it's sticky in 80 here. Yeah, it's really sticky. I mean, it's one of those humid days that it just sucks the energy right out of you. Here I am uh, talking, you know, stuttering over my words here. And a lot of it has to do with just the humidity, the stickiness. Not a good day to do Zumba. Not a good day to snuggle up to your loved one with no clothes on. You know, that clammy kind of sweaty feeling. Not It's one of those kind of days. One of those kind of days. There are days that it's just not good for that kind of day. Great day for a workout. Maybe for you, rounding third, in an air-conditioned gym. I wouldn't want to work out in this. Blech. I worked out yesterday. Sir, I mean... Maybe it is. I don't know. I just get the feeling that it's like today's a day that if you jump in a lake, it doesn't feel very ref it doesn't feel very refreshing because you just feel wet. You feel wet before you get in the water, and it's just like ugh. Then you're gonna dry yourself off with a towel that's gonna take like three days to dry, and it's gonna stink after those three days. Just mildewy. Say wet one more time. I don't want to say wet one more time. How many times did I say wet? Did I say wet quite a bit? Yeah. Yeah. I did notice during the interview that I kept on saying, uh, what did I keep on saying? Uh, what? I'll have to look. I, I may have to listen back. There was one thing I kept on saying. Uh, I think I kept on saying the word accurately. I, I repeated that word uh, quite often. And then as I was, then I had some sort of nervous thing after I asked him a question a couple of times, but uh, sometimes, and that's why I can't stand to listen to, to myself after these podcasts. So I am getting better. I am getting over it. And I do, before I do publish the episodes, I do edit some stuff out. No possible way I could handle the humidity, says Jill. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, I know. And I won't. I am. Um, Thank you, little Jill. Thank you. That's good. And I, I that's the feeling. I mean, with other podcasters out there, they're, we're all very self-critical of ourselves, and we do better than we uh, believe we do in a lot of times. Little Jill, it's not an all-the-time thing. We just have to put up with it for a few days at a time. Yeah, that's true. We don't get a lot of humidity in Maine. I mean, it's not like what they're probably dealing with on a daily basis in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, down that way. It's, I could not 
deal with the heat and the humidity. Uh, that would be bad. In a few, yeah, in a few days, it's actually Maine is perfect. It'll be sixty-five to seventy-five degrees every day, no humidity, and it's heaven. There's no place I would rather be. Juani Lisa entered the live studio. Hey, how you doing? I want to visit there in the fall. It's a good place to visit in the fall uh, with all the colors, all the leaves changing. Maine is a beautiful place to visit in the fall. Where I work, it's gorgeous. I My little office is up on a hill, and I overlook a horse pasture, and in the background are just these hills. And in the fall, it, everything's just this mag these mag it's just these hills make a have the most magical colors it's like a quilt it's it's incredible yeah fall is definitely the best yeah uh, those of you who are just coming into the live studio for the first time uh please like the show and i will uh feel so much gratitude i'll follow you back uh feel free to comment in the chitty chat room I'll even let you call in if you so choose. I did discover a guy the other night. I'm I'm going through, like, I'm at the top of my list. I'm naming my favorite things, and I come to the very first thing on my list, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Some of you know who listened. If you uh, haven't listened, uh, I publish a show. You can listen to my number one favorite thing. So anyways, I'm going through this, and... I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but I'm, I know I'm hitting something pretty profound. I'm proud of myself in this moment. What happens? This guy, Kenny, enters the live show and without even making a comment, five seconds into, the sh into his presence on my show, clicks on call. He tries to call in. So he's not listening to me. He has no idea what this show is about. He's never been in, in here before. And he clicks on call, and I quickly dismiss it. Move forward a little bit. Planet ADHD, Planet ADHD had their show. And I didn't listen to the live show. I was exhausted after that live show. So I listened to Planet ADHD the morning after. What I discovered there is this Kenny tried to do the same thing in that show. And Father Brian, Lady Rebecca were very polite to him. Like, no, we don't accept callers. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I think he said he was going to leave, but then decided to come back. They're very good about it. But I do get annoyed with that. I mean, hang out for a little bit. Get the feel of the room before you call in. Because uh, some people will call into any show and then just start to go off on a tirade, which at times, I will admit, can be very, very interesting. <laughs> but uh, I would appreciate it if you would not do that. Uh, hang out for a little bit. Call in. Like Jill, my friend from Idaho, who wants to come to Maine in the fall and look at colors. Jill, if you wanted to call in, of course. Uh, you could call in. We'd have a conversation. Everyone could hear you. Uh, gig wife. Uh, I know gig wife is big into phone calls. If she ever wanted to call in, of course. Absolutely. Rounding third. I know he's just antsy to uh, call in. Rounding third. Call on in. Yeah. 
Father Brian butt dials me all the time. And I'm like, Father Brian, come on in. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't, you know. Sometimes he follows through on that butt dial. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jerry Darmy. Uh, welcome. Yeah, that wasn't his butt. He he budge dials on occasions. <laughs> budge dials. <laughs> uh, let's hear it for Lady Rebecca. Rebecca bulge dials. <laughs> yeah, those bulge dials. Those bulge dials happen. Absolutely. Uh, funny stuff. Funny, funny, funny. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people coming in, coming out of the studio. That's good. That's good. That's good. I am news hunting. Oh, good. 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 I see uh, the patient uh, entered the live studio. That's a new person. News hunting. What's happening in the news today? Uh, actually, if you listen to Planet ADHD later on, you'll find out what's happening in the news today. I haven't been paying much attention to the news lately. I guess there's uh, protests going on in South Africa because the president has been imprisoned. And, you know, we talk about protests in this country. There's like been a hundred deaths across the two provinces in South Africa uh, over these protests. And they're talking about activating 25,000 troops to just kind of put everything back in order. I mean, that's like, wow. Wow. I mean, that's like some really serious stuff. Uh, you know, I'm all for peaceful protesting. I'm not certainly for government suppressing that. I when that many people start dying. I, I wonder what's really happening, if it's violence on each other or if it's government violence on uh, the masses. I, I wonder I, uh, that one, I, that one troubles me. And it seems like it's second page news almost in this country where if we had just uh, protests in many cities on any given day in this country where one or two people died it's front page news for uh, a week or more uh, so it's it's interesting how protests in other countries are portrayed in uh, the media and i see josh uh listen for a while then left and i do appreciate him hanging out for a little bit absolutely well i may end this one a little early i will keep it going if you guys want me to i have no issue with that i have no problem keeping the show going i didn't really have any topics beyond uh interviewing josh this evening and interviews i have noticed go about 45 minutes to an hour the exception being R.J. Keller, who R.J. stayed on for the full two hours. Uh, we had a good time, didn't we, R.J.? Well, we got silly. Uh, R.J. and I got silly. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and you talked a lot, but it was all interesting. And I mean, I had my fair share of talking. It's not like you dominated the program or anything. Uh, and it was incredibly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's fun just to, I mean, RJ's an author of a book and we talked about that and we talked about other things going on in her life. Of course, we grew up with a lot of the same people. So that allowed us uh, to talk, uh, to go off on tangents and talk about other things as well. Uh, 
She played with the chat room too. Yep. Yeah, she played with the chat room. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's uh, people who are unfamiliar with Podbean and the chat room when they come in. It's hard to interact. And so with people like that who I haven't talked to before, the focus will be on the interview. And then afterwards, I'll allow time for uh, banter in the chat room. It's hard for me to know when to bring the the chat room in during those interviews i did uh, round and third made a couple of comments that i did uh that i did uh read uh but typically i don't or i pick and choose a little bit if it's relevant to what the conversation is and certainly if it's funny i'll read it and it's not to say you people aren't funny you people are incredibly funny and uh i do it, it as time goes on with these interviews, I can't figure out better ways to bring the chat room in. Yeah. Dealer's choice. Yeah, that's why it's up to you. I just keep going. Dealer's choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. And RJ actually was familiar with Podbean uh, at the time of our interview. So it was uh, naturally a way for her to uh, a place for her to gravitate to because she knows how it works. There is a lot of what makes these shows so great is the chat room. I will say that what keeps these shows going a lot of times when I'm thinking, Ooh, I might want to end this is the chat room. I will. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I can't think of how many times, all right, I mean, I wouldn't be able to count how many times I said, okay, well, that's it for the night. Okay, good night, everyone. I guess I don't have anything else to talk about. And then all of a sudden, the show just picks up and I go for the final hour. Uh, and that's because of the live chitty chat room audience. Once your podcast gets super popular, you may need a second person to help with the chat room. Yeah, that person's rounding third. Yeah, rounding third is going to be my co-host, and he's going to be the one welcoming everyone into the room, and he's going to be my chat room junior member deputy B-word. I didn't say it. I almost did. That's going to be rounding third's job. It's good when the guest is familiar with the chat room and interacts. It is good. It is good. I agree with that. Yeah. Oh, nice, said RJ Keller. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some of these shows have that. They have that. Uh, they have that. The admin biatch says rounding third. <laughs> I think it's okay to say that word if you say it just like that. like that yeah that kind of takes the awkwardness out of it and it makes it its own word yeah admin <laughs> if rounding third gets more followers on podbean than me i'm done i'm done that's it i would just quit i would just quit it's like rounding third has never made a call into any of these shows no one's ever heard his voice on podbean and yet he has followers. He doesn't have a show. 
but yet he has followers and all the power to him. I hope he gets more. But if he ever uh, gets to a point where he has more followers than I do, I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this. I can't do this. Uh, yeah. I, at that point, I'll compete with rounding third in the chitty chat rooms of Podbean. And I'll have some nickname like his because it wouldn't be Wicked Awesome anymore. It would be, you have 58 followers. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm not sure what they're following. <laughs> does make you wonder. It's their way of saying, oh, I just like you. I think you're so funny. Like, yeah, uh, that's what that that's what that means. That's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what could my nickname be if I left Podbean or just left the Wicked Awesome show? Just like, okay, the Wicked Awesome's done. The Wicked Awesome podcast is just forever done. But yet I want to enter these chitty chat rooms of other podcasts, make funny comments, but I'd have to do it under a different moniker. What could uh, that be? Uh, that could be, hmm, that could be, oh, that could be like rounding, no, it couldn't be, what, what, I was going to say like rounding second, but that was, no, I wouldn't do that, yeah, God, maybe it would be like, uh, brother, brother, I'd be brother something, brother, brother Bumpa, brother Bumpa. That's what I'd be. I'd be brother Bumpa. I like that. Yeah, that's what I used to call my uh, grandfather, Bumpa. And I'm thinking of brother because, uh, you know, yeah, Father Brian. So I'd be brother Bumpa. That's what I would be. Absolutely. Or Pickleus Cage. There you go. I'd be Pickleus Cage. That's right. I found a Hawaiian shirt, as R.J. Keller knows. Uh, it's a Hawaiian shirt that has uh, Nicolas Cage on it as a pickle. There's uh, pickles on it, and there's a face of Nicolas Cage on each pickle. So I would be Pickleus Cage. Yes, yes, that's who I'd be. Yeah, Pickleus Cage. All right, there we go. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go to my social media and see what's going on. That's always a good thing to do. I'm teaching a Zumba class this coming Monday, July 19th at Gessner Park in Monroe. First class is free. Please spread the word. It's wicked fun. Okay. Uh, one young lady who I went to school with but don't remember very well, she's having a night out. Uh, with uh, the her dental girls. Uh, she's a hygienist, so it's a dental girls' night. Dental girls' night. Now, I know what Rounding Third is going to say. Uh, Rounding Third is going to say, I rented a movie with that title once. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, that one's not very interesting. Mount Washington bike ride today. Next post, Fallen Seven Memorial Stop. That uh, anyway, um, somebody took a 
a <clears throat> motorcycle ride up Mount Washington today. Uh, I've never been to the top of Mount Washington. It's the highest point in New England. Maybe the highest. It's the highest point in the Northeast, actually. Yeah. Uh, the highest mountain in all of Appalachia. All right. Looks like uh, a friend of mine had a Cuban-style black beans and yellow rice with salsa fresca, lime crema, and poblano. It's delicious and kind of pretty, so I took a picture. It is quite pretty, very colorful. If you're going to eat food, healthy food, make sure it has a lot of color to it. Absolutely. Yes, I know that was you, R.J. Keller. Yeah. Good picture, by the way. That looks really good. I bet it was good. Yeah. Okay. There's an ad from Custom Inc. If you want a T-shirt made, which I had T-shirts made years ago because I had a little hobby shop bicycle repair thing. And I had some T-shirts made through Custom Inc. And they still send me ads. Now my face thing's acting up on me, so I can't read any more from that. So we go to the Twitter, the Twitter feed. We'll go to the Twitter feed. Twitter, it's what's happening. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you listen to my interview with the Kevins from Gutting the Sacred Cow, they put on their latest episode is reviewing. Uh, what is it? Bloodsport. I guess they had a guest that came on and tried to tell them that Bloodsport's not a very good movie. Uh, nonsense is, posted something. And Polygon posted. Uh, oh, yeah. At 10 o'clock Eastern Time. No. That's wrong. No, it is. No, no. 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Please tune into Planet ADHD with Father Brian and Lady Rebecca. Always a good show. If I'm awake, I'll even join that show for a little bit. And my friend Pixie is posting a bunch of stuff. She, If you go on Twitter, they have like these social groups where you can actually have group conversations. It's much like they do on Podbean. It's much like Podbean that way, but nobody can comment. She'll start with a topic. And if you want to call in and stay on that topic, you can. And what she does, if, if some jackass calls in, and goes off topic, she'll end the whole conversation right there. So sometimes these conversations are short-lived because of some asset that comes in and changes the subject. But in a way, it's a good rule to have because otherwise you're just going to have a bunch of uh, thirsty guys calling in and just trying to get off topic, and that's not what you want. Sorry to sound like a middle-aged man, but does anyone have any good podcasts they would recommend? You get a lot of that on, you get a lot of that on uh, the, the Twitter feed. Any good podcasts I would recommend? In that case, I recommend the ones that I listen to sometimes. Sometimes I would make a wise-ass comment like, uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I, can't, I can't think of anything. It's too humid to be funny. It's too humid to be... Uh, to it's too humid to think of something quick to be quick-witted that's what it is i mean it took me 
three minutes just to come up with the phrase quick-witted. That's all. George Stiles, is it necessary to be fit to be attractive? Well, that's a question for the room right there. Is it necessary to be uh, fit to be attractive? Okay, going back to the chat room. Yeah, it was good. It looked good, RJ. Uh, loose chains and flat tires could be your new show. Loose chains and flat tires could be your new show. Saturday Night Smoke entered the studio. Welcome. I like Bloodsport. I never, I honestly, I never saw uh, Bloodsport. Hey, JP. Uh, Baruch Cuisine entered the live studio. Welcome. Welcome, Pod B user. Hey, round and third says Saturday Night Smoke. Hey, I'm right here. <laughs> you don't, you're not on Twitter, rounding third. You're not on any social media. Uh, too humid for humor. It kind of is, Father Brian. It actually, uh, I'm trying, it, it, I can't even attempt to be funny in this stuff. So I'm really pulling, I'm really pulling all the tricks out tonight. I'm just, I'm going deep, man. I'm going deep. All right. More humid than humid. Yeah, like more human than human. Yeah, depends. Yes, uh, absolutely. Hello, Wicked Awesome. Welcome, Saturday Night Smoke. Nice catch. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I love me some Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie's awesome. All right. Well, there's a question. Is it necessary to be fit to be attractive? I would say no. You don't need to be fit to be attractive. Goodness me. Um, I'm attracted to, uh, uh, what I'm attracted to is confidence more than anything else. That's and, uh, confidence in someone who has a sense of humor, someone who's quick witted, even in humid weather. Okay. Here's another one. Looking for good podcasts, entertaining, interesting, and pleasant. Any recommendations? I got to find like some off the wall, just like weird podcast to recommend uh just or or podcasts that only like one or two people listen to a month like this one and recommend uh recommend uh, those podcasts to people okay see father brian has uh, some really good graphics for planet adhd on his twitter thing i mean mine's wicked lame uh I and I don't have the energy to change it. Someday we will. But he's got like things flashing on his. If you haven't seen the the uh, Twitter Planet ADHD logo, uh, you're missing out. It's kind of cool. I'm looking at it right now. Yep. All right. What else do we have here? Ooh, Kelly Madden. I'm playing podcast matchmaker. Who wants a random podcast selection? Try something new tomorrow. See a lot of these podcast matchmaker goodness me maybe that's how i'll find my future ex-wife uh it'll be a female podcast host out there somewhere that does a similar podcast and there'll be this podcast matchmaker that matches us together and that's how i'll meet my future ex-wife okay man everyone's asking for Podcast recommendations, God. Uh, DiGiorno, there's a DiGiorno ad that says, Big Pizza Delivery hasn't done this, so we had to create the DiGiorno Croissant Pizza Crust. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? 
croissant pizza crust that seems that doesn't seem right those are like two you're dealing with two nationalities that are clashing there you're dealing you're french and italian i mean you, you can't do that to a croissant you can't you can do it to a bagel you can totally do it to a bagel so you're mixing you know your jewish heritage with italian but that works somehow that does work but I, a croissant no you can't make a pizza out of a freaking croissant that's wrong unless you're like really drunk or really hungover or if you're hanging out with father brian doing bong hits but other than that i don't think you you do that kind of thing yeah hope that didn't offend you there father brian i just i think that would be kind of fun actually I totally eat a DiGiorno pizza with you croissant style thing. I, I totally would do that with you, Father Brian. Okay. A few bad apples podcasts. Okay. I've been at the ER with my daughter since last night and just got home. Thankfully, she's doing better. Good. That's good. I'll click on a heart that. Okay. That's a horrible thing when you have to bring your little ones or a little one to the uh emergency room geez planet adhd i'm looking at another logo he's got a guy jumping around he's got a lady in a welding cap he's got some dude in overalls with like all these uh uh comic things going uh, flashing above his head wow man that's awesome that's awesome all right let's go back to the chitty chat room i have to kind of yeah that's awesome Okay, we got the more human, more than human. Nice catch. Uh, fit is a very loose term. Yeah, actually, that's a good point, rounding third. Yeah. Welcome, um, Missile Baby. Missile Baby. Missile Baby. Missile Little Baby. I can't pronounce that. Send them to one of the religious shows. Yeah, there's plenty of them on Podbean, that's for sure. I could do. You know what? I should do that. You mean the audiograms, says Father Brian, or the logo? No, I mean the uh, the logo itself. I haven't listened to the audiograms yet, uh, but I, I will. I will. So there must be audiograms that come up uh, if you click on the uh, thingamajig. Uh, here we go. I think Father Brian's coming in. I think he might have bulged. Yeah, I think Father Brian bulged out me again. Just add bacon. Yeah, add bacon to anything. There, I'm up here. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I had to unmute. Like when I called in, it instamuted me. I don't know why. It instamuted you? Uh, yeah, like she looked, she came over, she's like, you're muted. I'm like, oh my God, I am. But I no, just... uh, yeah, we make audiograms. And uh, that's what those are. Like if you have your volume up, there's also snippets of the show that are playing in the background. I see. I for see. 15 to like, you know how it is, 15 to 45 seconds or so. I gotcha. Gotcha. And you make your own audiograms? We certainly do. We use, well, we use Reaper ourselves, but you can use Audacity, Reaper, any DAW that you're using to edit your podcast, of course, to cut your MP3s out. And we pay $5 a year to a company called Photoplay that is an app you download to your phone. It's a great app. It's $5 a year. 
and you take we take our placard and then she adds gippies and things like that to it and we add the sound back behind it and you get a really good audiogram at a price for a little bit of your time and five dollars a year excellent excellent yeah. i mean i know there are companies out there that you could uh pay them $20 a month. And if you'd prefer to do that, I'm sure they have professional grade. You know what I mean? But for us, for the kind of fun little show that we're doing and things, we're just like, yeah, hey, you know what I mean? Like we're going to do it ourselves. Well, I would highly recommend it to you, Matt. Honestly, photo plays a really, really, really good one. And mm -hmm. I think Beck, can't you download it and like try some of the features and you could make your own. Like that's why I called in. Like, Oh, cool, cool. That yeah. way you've got, you know, when you're promoting your show out there, you can do the same thing we're doing. And then they've got a little bit of it to listen to, and you've got some fun effects going on and this and that and the other. It took it took you, what, honey, uh, like a month or a couple of weeks, month at most, to really learn how to use the program well, and then there you go. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, I don't know if you picked up later, Rebecca, or not. Yeah. <laughs> We do read a lot of rounding thirds comments on the show. I won't lie. <laughs> he has, he has many of them. Yes, uh, we, we. Yeah, he does. Them. He has some real good ones too. Yeah, yeah. See, when I enter your show, I always, I, I always try to outdo rounding third, and I never right. can. I never can. <laughs> it's I like, don't know that I could. <laughs> it's like I really don't. No, he'll go there. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to get a bigger laugh out of you guys than Rounding Third does. Every once in a great while, I succeed, but no. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that's good I think information. You underestimate you. yourself, Matt. I really do. I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Well, and I, what I'm trying, and I'm what I need to do a better job at is just not putting myself down uh, while I'm yeah, that. That's a good start. The the what yeah. if I succeed? What if I? What if I am good at this? Mm -hmm. I agree. You should definitely start there because you're a wonderful human being. You're obviously a great podcaster. You're getting interview after interview. We've never interviewed anyone. Of course, that's not our style, but I know people that are still sending out emails trying to get people to interview sure, that sure. they're being told no. So obviously you have a skill set that you're doing what you're meant to be doing here. Kind of my point. Well, thanks. Well, I enjoy doing it and I like all aspects of this. I like the interviews, but I really like just what I'm doing now. Uh, just going off on multiple tangents, not knowing where the show is going to go and just seeing what happens. I do it's like fun, that as well. Right? Yeah, it it's is fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Rounding if, thirds down here that one time at band camp. Sincerely, rounding third. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you should have known him. I, I grew up with the guy. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know any of you, but y'all seem like we'd have got along real well. <laughs> well, it's we're all these, of an age. I, I think what it is is uh, we grew up in a rural area, and uh, I mean, the town that he grew up in and the town that I grew up in are actually miles apart, but we all went to the same. Uh, junior high and high school and right. we we knew each other through uh sports leagues even younger than that because we all competed against each other um so yeah i think i've known him since we were probably like 10 years old uh, and i don't know what it is but there is this cohesiveness with a group of guys and when i say a group of guys maybe as many as uh, 15 of us 
that even if we go years without being in touch with one another, somehow we still have this bond. And I do believe that's rare because I haven't seen it in a, a lot of peer groups that I've come across. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't and have it. With I don't know why that is. But there are um, a couple guys I can I say that about. They're the ones you came up with. You, I know, like played ball with. You, you learned about girls together, so on and so forth, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's Mer- dead for generations now. They're never going to know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they well, have the internet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not insulting them. They have the they have the internet. It's so different for them it's so different because it's like with my kids it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where we are i we could be in maine or we could be traveling you know miles out of state they have that phone and they're always connected to their friends you know the same yeah no exactly yeah and it's just the the surroundings around them don't matter as much uh it's just yeah it's yeah no they really we really don't yeah 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 you should call in rounding or just like chat well i think what we're gonna do yeah i think what we're gonna do uh sometime with rounding third is we're just gonna have a coming out episode for rounding third when i say coming out i mean him coming out as a caller and anyone can come in and ask rounding third questions and we'll and, and ask rounding questions about just, yeah, who he yeah. is, what he does. Yeah. And we'll see, we'll see how funny rounding third is when he's out of the chitty chat room. I bet he'll be, I bet he'll be even funnier. That's my prediction. Like when we do the roundup, we all get together like we never missed a beat, whatever that is from rounding. And oh, around, th- that's a what it is. It's a it's called the Mustang Roundup. We went to Mount View High School, and our mascot is the Mustang. So the right. Mustang Roundup is uh, an alumni gathering we have right in town here, where our band plays, and anyone that ever graduated from Mount View of any year can come by, and many do, and many do, and it's always fun. Oh, I see. And then you guys, you guys kind of just all hang out and play and the yep. non-playing members of the high school get to come and dance. And that, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah it's wow. a, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 Even yeah, if you, not, there's nothing that cool here. Yeah. Well, you know, you can always come to Belfast, Maine and you will make sure you're one of us, Father Brian. <laughs> I, I, I honestly believe that y'all would. I really do. <laughs> Oh, we totally would. We totally would. Absolutely. But yeah, our high school here was lame, is lame. It remains lame. It remains lame. Is it a small high school? It is. We only have 2,800 people in the whole town. Like mm-hmm. Now, uh, it services, of course, these smaller villages and hamlets around. But, I mean, they may have... The junior high and the high school, for one, are now one. their one outfit. So they might have 400 people there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and it's an open invitation. Thank you. Oh, yeah, always, always. Oh, you guys is about the same size? Yeah, actually, it's even getting smaller. Our high school was made up of, it still is, it's made up of 11 towns. Back when we graduated, wow, really? 11 towns. And back when we graduated, there were 520 people in the whole high school. Now it's the same 11 towns and we're under 400. So, yeah, and that, I mean, it's kind of sad, right? 
It is. Well, what's happening is the town's populations have remained the same, but uh, people aren't having kids like they used to. And also more families are homeschooling or taking advantage of like virtual school, charter school, that type right. of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah um, we're we're kicking a lot of that around ourselves. We're little man, we don't know yet. I I'm all for public school. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to make sure that he gets the education that he's going to need when he's an adult. Right. Uh, right. right. And right. I don't know if we can trust the education system to provide that anymore, one way or the other. I don't know that I have the better alternative, mind you, Matt. I don't, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean. I wasn't the best student in high school and I don't pride myself on the education I received in high school. However, I do uh, have a lot of fond memories of high school just because of the social aspect of it, because that's what I viewed high school as just a place to hang out with the people that I liked, if you will. Uh, I actually graduated with a scholarship, but I still just went for the socialization. That still can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my kids who my son's entering his senior year, my daughter, her junior year, she's an honor student. He's the type type that kind of sees the bullshit in it all, uh, but likes the social part of it. Right. You know, but he knows he needs to get a diploma and have a plan. Uh, And, uh, you know, and that's fine. That's fine. That 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 it's good, though, that because we didn't know we needed diplomas and plans in our day. Uh, Right. I mean, you guys have got a couple years on me, I think, but like a lot of my friends did not graduate high school. They just quit school at 16 and went to a factory. Wow. Yeah. I know a lot of guys. And now they've since, of course, years down the road had to turn around and go get GEDs. But yeah, no, at our age as Gen X, a lot of us still, well, we just, we quit high school and went to work. I did not, but a lot of my friends did. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of communities in Maine that were like that over the years. Uh, If you lived in a fishing community, if you could make, uh, you know, close to three figures a year working on a lobster boat, you know, what was a high school diploma going to do? for? Right. Why do you care about the diploma? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we had a lot of paper mills in the state and uh, whose families would work for generations at these mills. So they knew. They knew what they were going to go into. Now, almost all the paper mills have closed and fishing isn't uh, the the whole fishing. The fishing aspect of things is it fluctuates. There's some years you can make a lot of money doing it, but then there's uh, some lean years, too. And it's hard freaking work. Uh, So so, to a a degree, that sounds a little like farming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's aquatic farming at, at that point because I live in a farm community. And, yeah, there are some years they make mad money, and then there's other years they lay dead broke. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it happens. Oh, I, I didn't see rounding thirds come in and farming. Yeah. Yeah. And we and actually, a lot of the farms in rural Maine have gone away, too, to bigger corporate farms. Uh, dairy farms used to be huge around here, and now they're almost completely gone because they simply, they just weren't big enough. Uh, it's all so, mega hog and mega cow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. So, uh, what can we expe- expect from your show tonight? Do you have a little? Uh, do you have articles, Lady Rebecca, or the usual? I'll hop off here in a minute or two. I'll go get really high and do God knows what. Now on her <laughs> end, she's looking. Yeah. 
There you go, cheese flavored ice cream tacos and cleaning fairies from Lady so Rebecca far. tonight so far. Excellent, excellent. She's still researching our show while I'm up here talking to you. That's how <laughs> professional we are at Planet ADHD. But it, but it works. I mean, it does. Well, thank you. We we try, uh, and I'm entirely improv. I'm I'm talking to you and kind of playing with little man. We both seem a paper airplane. I I just when the show starts, I just take off running and see where the hell I end up. Exactly. Yeah. Which and sometimes I mean, sometimes a lot of times, actually, those are the best shows when you're just improving and uh, you just kind of see where it goes. You know, absolutely. I, I hope you're right, because that's all I'm ever going to be capable of doing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Lady Rebecca rounding third says mac and cheese ice cream. Look that up. Uh, that, uh, that's the one I'm going to read. tonight. OK, she's that is one she's going to read tonight. Rounding third. So you're in third. See, Matt, she literally, like, running third is, is becoming so integral to Podbean, he's he's starting to help put shows together and doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know it, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, I know. Yeah, and he's the Ooh. admin. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also the admin of uh, that Foot Fetish Guy show. Uh, oh, you're an admin in the Foot Fetish show. Very nice. He is, he is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Wonderful. Well, very good. Uh, thanks for calling in, Father Brian. You uh, betcha. Yeah, take care, man. Yeah, always good to hear from him. And uh, I see Lucia Vani. Uh, uh, thank you for entering the studio. Uh, if you're still here, uh, I don't know if you butt dialed me. Uh, you tried to call in. Uh, I don't mind if you call in. I do prefer if you... Listen a little bit before you do. Uh, that is just my only request. And from there, I th believe I may end things for the evening. And I appreciate all of you listening in, especially listening to Josh, uh, Josh's interview. Uh, very good conversation. And please buy his book. Uh, on Amazon, this won't hurt me a bit. What it's really like to work in the healthcare by Josh McAdams. Until next time, I love you all. Have a good evening.